Welcome to another edition of the Heron Outlet. She is Alex Willey. He is Austin Roblard. I am Ian Hess. And guys, the World Cup's right around the corner, but it's also MLS offseason. Plenty to talk to, talk about today. Uh, in, in today's episode, we have already roster deals being made, Get people getting ready, people already in Qatar, people not in Qatar. We'll get to all of it and more. First, let's start with probably the highlight, I'd say, of the uh, offseason as far as Inter-Miami is concerned right now, the decision by St. Louis City to select Indiana Vasilev in the second round or the second pick of the uh, expansion draft last week. That, with it, means that Vasilev will be off. He was out of contract with Inter-Miami, and no word really on if the team was approaching him to re-sign. That does come with it some special benefits. The team gets $50,000 in general allocation money. Also, if there are uh, more, uh, the next time that there is an expansion draft, Inter-Miami will be exempt from that process, uh, which is a a nice little uh, caveat there. And a lot of the higher profile people that we were concerned had been left unprotected. Guys like Aime Mabika, guys like Damian Lowe, they, they are still now under contract and with the team. So let, let's start with Indy. Obviously a, a, a great player as a super sub, had some moments of brilliance for the team. Uh, it was you know up in the air as to if not he was going to come back. Maybe the, the team was hoping for a little better of a performance. What do we think of, of Indy's time here with being kind of a fan favorite to a certain extent or you know a high profile uh, beloved by fans and now moving on to St. Louis? I think Indy had his moments, um, especially this season, where you look at the Minnesota game, the comeback after he got subbed on, him scoring twice to win that one at home. That was a huge, huge win there. Um, But throughout the the 2022 season, it was a little bit of a lackluster type season, I would say, because of what he did in 2021. And, And I think that what we saw in 2021 was a promising young player who we thought had talent to really be something in MLS. And when it came to... 2022, I'm not going to say it was some sort of a regression, but he just wasn't as impactful as he was other than really what I can think of in that that Minnesota match. There were times where, you know, we saw him on the pitch and he was doing as much as he could as an individual player, but it wasn't linking up well in the final third. Uh, but I do think that Indy in a, in a really good system, especially in MLS, has all the tools to be a good valuable winger. Um, I just think that in 2022 it didn't work for Miami, and I think that like you said, Ian, I don't know if they were in talks to bring him back for one more season. If St. Louis can can get that over the market, I'm sure they're confident that they will. That's probably why they took him. Um, so, uh, obviously, Indy, great person. He was a great character for this team. Great in the locker room. Uh, super lively as just a human being. And um, I really think that it, you know the locker room presence will be missed. But I think with the winger depth that Miami added uh, in 2022 and what they may still add going into 2023, it won't be that much of a loss. Um, but you know, all, all well wishes to him. He's he's been great. Um, and uh, yeah, I think St. Louis has got a good one if they can if they can do this right. Yeah. Uh, so apologies about that. My internet just cut off. But yeah, I agree with Austin. I think uh, Indiana. He he was a good player coming off the bench and I know in a couple of previous episodes we mentioned him maybe switching over to a, a central midfielder to um get more out of that you know him as a winger he, he, honestly he's a great player but he wasn't quite as impactful as you know Neville and the coaching staff had wanted him to be 
you know, coming off the bench and scoring those two goals against uh, Minnesota, was it? And, you know, after that, I think, you know, he kind of just fell off the map, honestly. There are so many times where he'll dribble himself into really good positions and and uh, then, you know, there's no final third product. So I, I can see why, you know, um, Miami just, you know, chose not to really protect him, honestly. You know, they've got uh, a plenty of great wing- wingers on the bench and Emerson and Lasseter Taylor. Uh, they still have room to bring in more players. And then in exchange, not really in exchange, but essentially in exchange, they got a really good uh, young player in Jake LaCava, who we'll touch on later, who can play across all three uh, winger, striker uh, positions. So um, it, it's unfortunate to see him leave because he had his great moments here. But, um, you know, it's, you know, this is how it goes in MLS, you know, uh, Garber Bucks and all the Tam and Gam, it's advantageous for Miami to to try to rec- recuperate some of that and uh, send off uh, Vasilev to St. Louis. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but you know, um, Chris Henderson, are, he's maneuvering in a sense that to, to yeah, get let, Miami let, in a better position where they were last yeah, year. Let's yeah, let's talk Lakava now because Inter Miami wasn't done right then. Uh, they they kept moving. They acquire LaCava via uh, a, a real workaround with the New York Red Bulls. St. Louis picks him into Miami, gets him for $150,000 in general allocation money. LaCava is a, a very interesting prospect for me. Uh, a, a prevalent goal scorer uh, for the Tampa Bay Rowdies last year where he was on loan. Before that, he was, went through the Barca Academy and signed with uh, Red Bulls 2 right through the academy process. Um, and he's, he's a tall 21-year-old striker, uh, really sort of the, the best way that I can describe him from, from how I'm watching is he kind of reminds me of everything that we had hoped or thought Robbie Robinson could or would be in the fact that he can be that striker, he can play across into those diagonal runs as a winger outside uh, player, but he also has that presence in the box that can be it, sort of fits that mold of that kind of second striker that they were looking for for me especially with the deal three years and uh three three years and a club option for the for the next two after that i i think that that really there is a low risk high reward that you can get from this and it, a great piece of business considering that that really that hundred fifty thousand dollars after this this year is is just free money for Miami because it won't perpetuate again and again. So uh, it was a really good deal, really piece of, of good business, I think, from Inter-Miami. Yeah, I think low risk is a really good way to put it. Um, and I think that this is a, a type of winger that Neville, in, in any of his systems, when he maybe goes to a 4-3-3 in the upcoming season or even in a 4-2-3-1, LaCava could fit anywhere in that front three, as you were saying, Ian. And I, I think that... As a young player, which is something they even tried to explore with, like you said again, Robbie Robinson, this is somebody that could fit Neville's mold. And I think that having a versatile attacker who can play in the center or on both sides of the wings uh, is something that Neville's going to try and exploit and use to his his advantage. And I think that, like you said, 150k in, in Garber Bucks um, is is very low risk. And I, and I think that with the club options for the for the couple years to come, um, they they have a potential real talent here and they can keep him on board for quite some time and and help develop him into a player that we saw be successful in USL and could still be successful in MLS. I think think it was a good deal. Here's the thing, Alex, you're not asking him to come out and be Campana or Higuain or, 
You know, you're, you're asking him to fill a role. That role is, listen, we saw it last year with Campana getting injured. You needed that another body to go to. And, and it wound up being Iguain in, in what was an absolute tear. But you need a, a guy, you need guys like Jake, Jake LaCava on your team to fill out for those spot minutes and, and for cup runs, things like that. Yeah, and he's perfectly uh, adept at doing that, you know, watching him for uh, the Rowdies. He scored 12 goals and, and had five assists in, what, 35 games. So, And the Rowdies played this uh, more of like a 3-4-3. Three, three, three. So he, at times he was like the left winger cutting inside, playing as a second striker. So um, a lot of the times he was just there getting the rebounds and, and quick with his feet in the box and, and, you know, just really helpful when the Rowdies were putting in crosses and, we know that Miami, you know, they do like to uh, spam crosses from time to time, depending on the opponent. But, uh, you know, LaCava certainly uh, equipped to lead the line for Miami. And like you said, when if Campana gets injured uh, this uh, this offseason or if Miami bring in another striker, I don't know. But, you know, LaCava is there to step in and do a serviceable job. You know, he's quick. He's really good with his feet. You know, he can't play on the left or the right. So it, it gives that um, – uh, that positional uh, flexibility that Neville loves to have. You know, we've seen it with Robert Taylor and uh, Errol Lassiter to an extent. But, um, yeah, Miami loves their players that can play across multiple positions. And th- those younger players like the Bryce Dukes, Orion Taylor, Amayma Bika, and Jake LaCava definitely fits that mold. And, you know, I, I, I mixed up my contracts there as, as we go through the other deals that Inter-Miami has had because that deal with LaCava is a club option from from Red Bulls 2023, 2024, and 2025. So that'll be the club option. The three and two that I was talking about is for a, a guy who's gone through Inter-Miami's own uh, youth system and signing a new deal, Benja Kramashi. Uh, now going to be an inked to Inter Miami for the next three years with club options for two years after that. Uh, he really has the, uh, I don't want to get too hyped yet, but really has the possibility of being a fantastic playmaker. The three of us have watched a, a lot of Inter Miami 2 this past year, and, and his ability to create something out of nothing is, is Houdini-esque at times. Um, and it, it's going to be very exciting to see if it uh, if it continues at the next level. Yeah, I was kind of gassed when I saw the Fabrizio Romano tweet. I, I don't think it was something that, I mean, maybe we were expecting down the line, but it, 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 when it took this immediate effect, uh, I thought it was really interesting. And I think that, um, you know, I think it should have a lot of fans excited. I think Kramashi can be a great player. We, we've seen him, like you said, Ian, with Inter-Miami CF2, but also with U.S. youth national teams. He's getting multiple call-ups from the U-20s and the U-19s. Um, I believe he even scored for the for the U-19s uh, not too many months ago, or at least had an appearance, I think, in a camp back in September. Uh, I, I think, you know, for one, Inter-Miami bringing in their guy from the academy is, is awesome. Uh, but you also have to look at it too. Like this is a for the for the U.S. standpoint, this is a, a this is a guy that's on a prospect board, and you're thinking he has dual citizenship with Argentina as well, and you've had him on these U.S. youth national teams. I kind of see it in the same way. Inter Miami keeping their guy, the U.S. keeping their guy, and hopefully Benjamin Kermeshi can can live up to this hype that we are now giving him after that Fabrizio Romano tweet uh, announcing the deal. 
yeah, and he's a really great player, uh, like you guys said, uh, with Inter Miami CF two. He's uh, usually lines up in central midfield, and he's he's a bit of a he's a bit of a box to box midfielder who can. He loves a score, honestly. You know, you saw him at the MLS uh, um, All Star game for uh, MLS Next Pro. You know, he scored the game winning uh, penalty, I believe. So that was that. And like Austin said, he's uh, been featuring with the U.S. youth national teams, which bodes well for the U.S. Um, yeah, I think uh, as it goes for the first team, um, you know, obviously, maybe, I, okay, of course, we don't know what formation Neville will roll out in, but presumably a 4 3 3. Kermeshki can easily just slot into where, you know, if John Mata needs a break or whoever, if Pozuelo comes back, you know, into that position, you know, he could play as a, an advanced uh, number eight and, and that fits him. You know, he, 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 he's a box-to-box midfielder. I believe uh, one time he, he, he said uh, his favorite player was Rodrigo De Paul. So that tells you everything you need to know about uh, Benjamin as a player. So we're all super high on him. Um, I'm very glad Miami got this deal done. Um, you know, hopefully he will get some first team minutes this season with the League's Cup and the U.S. Open Cup and, and a bunch of league games. There will be plenty of minutes to go around. And um, it's just a, a testament to what uh, David Beckham and Neville said, you know, when, well, not even Beckham, but Chris Henderson and Neville about integrating the youth and bringing through the academy players. And uh, here we go. And now you have Kromeshki, uh signing that deal and, and a part of the plans for the future. And you have to understand too, like th- this roster is starting to, to be formed out, right? Phil had talked all, all season long that he didn't want to make, you know, 19, 20 changes from this roster coming back. You've already seen that. I think now with LaCava and with, uh, Kramashi, they're now at 26 players under contract uh, already. Um, so, so you're already seeing a, a lot of uh, a lot of the the you know formation of this roster, the completion of this roster being done. The next big one on the docket, I think we can all agree, is Pozuelo. Um, you know, he was there. There was some talk. I mean, Tom Bogart of MLSSoccer.com said that he was one of the players that he thought that, that St. Louis was going to consider taking. He was left unprotected because he's out of contract with the team. Um, I think that the I think the Pozuelo situation, to a certain extent, somewhat related but somewhat unrelated, uh, you need the Pizarro situation resolved as well. Um, I think one will go hand in hand. Do you guys have – I don't know if you guys agree with that or do you think that one has to happen before the other? Because the way that I would see it is is resolve Pizarro first, continue the talks with Pozuelo, but but Pozuelo's role here is, is to fit the Pizarro contract, I think, um, instead of, okay, we'll just get him under contract and then we'll figure out Pizarro later because so much if that Pizarro deal – if he's still here, which is still possible, I know we keep talking like it's not. It, it is possible, but if he's here, that's really the end of a lot of your offseason moves. And so, uh, I, I think that that uh, that Pizarro needs to be resolved sort of first before you can ink Pozuelo in, and then still have that leverage to go out and get another DP. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'll be honest with Pizarro, I'm sensing a buyout. Uh, I think we had even talked about that in, in our little chat. Uh, I am sensing a buyout. I don't know how easy it's going to be with that contract for them to find any suitors in terms of a sale or even a loan again. Um, I mean, his time with Monterey was not what it was before he came into Miami. I mean, it wasn't even near that. They started to try and play him. Um, he even got some reps with the national team in Mexico, but they obviously didn't get called up for the World Cup team, was losing a lot of appearances for Monterey, and he just wasn't the player that he once was before he came to the MLS. And I think that that, with his lucrative deal, um, all those things included, is going to be really hard to find a suitor for him. And I think that if if Miami are going to get him off the books for 2023, which I think should be and is the plan, um, it will have to come in in terms of a buyout. And I'm not exactly sure what the repercussions of that are. We saw everything with Pellegrini. Um, but I think that that does need to come first before you start talking about other DPs or even major Sam players if they figure out something with, with Pozuelo. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll probably just buy him out. He wasn't, Pizarro wasn't very good for Monterey and, um, you know, he didn't get too many minutes and it was just a, a really poor situation all around. And yeah, it's a, it's a difficult situation. I do think they'll just buy him out. Maybe he'll go off on loan somewhere, but I, I do think like Ian said earlier that Miami, the rest of Miami's off season moves are, are hinged on this on this Pizarro deal. So if Pizarro stays, they can't buy him out, or they won't buy him out, or they can't loan him somewhere or sell him, you know. And he's he's forced to stay. You know, obviously, I don't see him and Pozuelo fitting in the same side unless I don't know one of them plays on the wing. But then that's another story. But yeah, they could easily just buy him out, like you said, Austin. I don't know the um, excuse me, the uh, repercussions of that. You know how how that fit with the. Uh, the sanctions and MLS rules are, are really crazy that I have to read up on. Um, but yeah, I, I think if the Pizarro stays and you know Miami cannot continue to build the way that Neville wanted him uh, wanted the team to, um, you know, listening to his post match conference after the New York City loss, um, he said he wanted three game changers that will take them over the top. You know, we, we talk about Inter Miami looking to uh, get a uh, a home playoff game uh, next season, so. In order to do that, they're going to need uh, quality players in DP positions. And uh, Pizarro at the moment, uh, you know, he, he's not uh, capable of doing that. So, and, you know, Miami said, Chris Henderson said they're looking to move him on. They're in discussions with Monterey. But if they can't, I, I do see a buyout. And if that doesn't work, then maybe they can uh, pull a, a Carranza or some other most team will take them for some for something I don't know but it, you know the, before they continue to do anything or resign Pozuelo or or again any other players that are uh DP caliber they're gonna have to to find a way to uh get around this Pizarro situation yeah I, I think you guys are are a little more gung-ho about the buyout than I am I I don't think that there's a, there's a lot of momentum and that I I don't I just don't think that feasibly that works right now um especially you know w like you had mentioned Austin with with the uh Pellegrini situation you also had you dealt with that with um Mo Adams you dealt with that with uh, Matuidi um so you know I, I don't I don't know I, I would see more of a move back I know that Chivas Guadalajara was interested um, at the start of the offseason. That's cooled a little. Um, haven't heard anything about that in recent weeks. 
but Monterey obviously still always on the board too. And and you know there are there there I don't know. I just feel like a, a, a home in Liga MX is the easy way out for for everybody. I I, I have a tough time believing that he wouldn't be able to find a, a spot somewhere in in Liga MX, and and that would resolve his problem. That would resolve Inter Miami's problem. Um, I don't even want to say it's necessarily a problem. I, I just think that you know this is um, just some something that needs to be resolved. And I think that uh, until you can do that, you're you're sort of fighting fighting. You know the wheels are spinning in, in the mud, and you're not really getting anywhere um, with, with all of the names that have been thrown out and talked about. Um, I, I feel like a lot of those are going to be names until you really free up this spot and the the money that goes along with it. Uh, but guys, NLS free agency did start. Austin, you also had mentioned that there are those high-level TAM players out there. MLS free agency came out. There is a full list at MLSsoccer.com, but there are some high-profile names uh, on that list. Uh, let, let's just go through a couple of them. Uh, Derek Etienne was one that completely jumped off the page. Kai Kamara um, uh, that was out there. Uh, Matt Hedges was released, but did not could not come to an agreement with FC Dallas, who, who is an absolute club legend, probably the player that most is associated with FC Dallas, now is a free agent that, and still just, I think he's still only like 34. So uh, he's still got a year or two left in him um, for sure. But there are, I mean, now let's talk about the ones that I think have the three of us most excited, and that's Ronald Mazzarita at left back and Alexander Callens, who uh, from New York City FC, who we all love and were terrified in the playoff game, rightfully so. A center back and a hybrid left back, if at times you need. Very good at that left center back and a back three, if you're going to play that. Um, but can do both. And a player that is very highly thought of, highly rated in MLS, tempting you out there. I, I also threw out the name that, that I don't think that we should go without saying Seb Ibiaga, uh is a free agent from LAFC. Um, the big center back for them who, who started the MLS Cup final and I thought played pretty well. Um, if you're looking for a cheaper option, he's probably a, a nice way to go. But a lot of great center backs that, that are available in this free agency group. And, and that's going to be a position that Miami's going to be searching for and combing through uh, to see if they can get an in-league center back. In-league MLS center backs are a dime a dozen, and that's that's nothing against any of the three, four, five that Inter Miami have right now with Damian Lowe, with with Ivan Babico, with Ryan Saylor, um, w- with Chris McVay. We still haven't even seen anything from Ian Frey yet, who who comes back into the fold uh, after recovering from an ACL injury that left him out all year last year. So uh, you know that's not to say anything of that. It's to say that when, when you find a premier center back in this league. Like Matt Hedges that you saw, you keep on to him for a decade. That That is like the one position in this league that you absolutely need a straight goal at. And I think at times there was some inconsistency along the back line last year. There was a lot of tinkering that we saw. Um, you know, Chris McVay also played 99% of the season at a position. Um, and, and so, you know, he is still a natural center back. Uh, let, let's just uh, let's just address some of those names. Who who jumps off the list? I know Callens is the obvious one, so talk about him if you want. But then there's some other ones too that I think are really nice. Aaron Long. I mean, <clears throat> even as a a, a, play, a person 
and the U.S. men's national team guy who doesn't necessarily love the fact that there is potential for him to start on Monday. Um, I think that Aaron Long as an MLS center back is is one of those ones that you, if you can reach out and grab, you go and do it. And I think that I saw this morning uh, on Thursday that uh, LA Galaxy were in talks with Aaron Long, but no decision is to be made uh, during uh, the World Cup. It'll only be made after. Um, but I think that there are going to be a lot of MLS teams chomping at the bit to bring in Aaron Long. So for me, that's like a priority name, I think, um, other than Callens and Matarita, which would help you fill out your left side. Um, I think Aaron Long, and I think even Phil Neville has spoken about Aaron Long before, you know, in lead, in lead up to, to Red Bull games or even after the fact. I think Aaron Long is a guy that if you can somehow bring in on, I'm not going to say any type of deal, but most deals you go ahead and do that because it absolutely secures a center back spot on your roster in MLS. And I think for Red, I mean, he's been, you know, one of Red Bull's most consistent players. He's been a rock solid defender at the back. And I think that you just, you have to do it. If it's there, you have to do it. You have to pull the trigger. And I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm not saying that about like Derek Etienne. I'm not saying that about, um, uh, I mean, maybe I would say that about Matarita and Callens. Uh, even like Sean Johnson's out of contract as well, but I'm sure that New York City is going to go after him and, and try and keep him there as, uh, too after the World Cup. Uh, it just it just brings a lot of different questions in for this front office, and I'm sure every MLS front office is going to be um, asking themselves questions and what to do. But I think I think Aaron Long for me is the guy at center back that helps you fill that fill that void. Personally, I'd go after Matt Hedges. Um, looking at um, his advanced stats and comparing them to uh, McVeigh or Damian Lowe, he basically covers everything that those two aren't necessarily dominant in on the field. You know, for example, Matt Hedges is in the 85th uh, percentile uh, for clearances and for uh, versus MLS center backs. Uh, passing wise, his passing completion rate is 84.7 percent, which is pretty decent. I mean, we know. Neville likes to play out of the back. He likes his center backs comfortable on the ball. Um, also, Ian, I want to correct you. Uh, Matt Hedges is only 32. So um, he still has like a couple years left. Um, you know, like, he may want a, a, a new start in South Florida. We don't know. But Aaron Long is a good child. But I do think that he, he may be a little pricey for Miami. I don't know. But Matt Hedges is right there. I think he'd fit in really well. You know, let's say he gets paired with Damian Lowe, who's the more aggressive center back. Uh, Hedges can kind of stay back, uh, clear everything, and, and pass the ball out comfortably. I think they'd make a good pairing. Um, as far as uh, other positions go, I want to shout out Jimmy Madronda, who I've been high on since uh, even last season, maybe before that. Um, you know, he's a fullback oh, a midfielder hybrid who can play on the left side. Uh, didn't get re-signed by Seattle. Another one, I think, I don't know if you guys mentioned Derek Etienne, you know, he'd be a, a solid option. I know these are winger types and Miami don't necessarily need that, but, you know, you never know. Depth helps in this league, you know, God forbid there's an injury to Lassender or Robert Taylor, then, you know, you're you're down that uh, in the depth chart and, it, and it's not good uh, considering all the games that Miami will have next season. Um, you know, there's just, a, it's it's really crazy how many good names are on here. And I trust uh, Henderson to make the the proper decision. But um, yeah, a lot of good uh, potential starters on this list. A, a lot of good uh, potential depth options on this on this list. Yeah. Um, but um, like I said, Jimmy Madronda, Matt Hedges, uh, 
those personally for me, that's where I would go after uh, if I were in Hermione. But there are still plenty of good options. And like you guys said, having an MLS proven center back in your group is is huge. So whoever it is, whether it be Callens or, or Hedges or Long, uh, they're all great uh, players in Miami. Could could use um, any one of them really. And there, there's even great players that that Miami won't be interested that are that are available. I mean, you think of like Giassi Zardes is out there, um, Jonathan Osorio is out there, Sebastian Mendez is out there, Sean Johnson from New York City FC, uh, the goalkeeper, goalkeeper of the year last year is out there. I don't think after having the the Drake Calendar finished third in them, right? That that there is just there's a lot of talent out there and very exciting. It'll be interesting to see because again, remember we, we, as we have to think about this, this is the last year of the sanction. So there is still that, that tight budget that Chris Henderson is going to have to manage and, and however they can find a way to, to free up some, as Alex, you love to say, Garber bucks here. Um, that, that'll be all that more important um, as they look to fill out this roster for 2023, because I think that especially now, when you're looking at getting Tam Gam for this season, like getting it ahead, getting it out ahead of it, and that way you're good for the whole year. You know, Phil had even talked about. Uh, I think it was in in uh, in his last pest conference when um, when we were talking with him and Henderson that he had said, you know, some of the guys like uh, uh, some of the moves that teams had made, like from Toronto, where they brought in uh, the the Italians, it was just a little too late and it messed with. They they thought that it could you know, shoot them up the standings, and it didn't necessarily do that. Obviously, the introduction of Pozuelo and the hope from Coco, you never got that because of the injuries last year, but but the, the introduction of Pozuelo obviously made a huge difference for Miami, but you only want to have maybe one, maybe two of those. Uh, you don't want to consistently be having to do stuff uh, in the middle of the year. So a lot of the business that they get done here during the World Cup, because I think that right after the World Cup, is when a lot of these are you're going to want them finalized, right? So, so getting that work done now uh, in this space that you have uh, will be important. So that really, when the calendar flips to 2023, all of a sudden you're in a much better spot. When that calendar flips to 2023, all the games now will be on one single platform. That is Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. Uh, they have a million different names for this thing. In a specific MLS package, with the news was announced earlier this week that beginning February 1st, every game, every streaming, it will be streamed, no blackouts. You can get every single game on the MLS package in Apple TV+. Plus. The caveat with this is it comes with purchasing a separate package. So even if you have Apple TV+, Plus, you have to purchase the MLS package. If you're currently an Apple TV+, Plus subscriber that comes to $79.99, $80 a year or $13 a month. Uh, and then if you're a new subscriber, it is $100 a season and $15 a month. That also includes League's Cup games, um, which, which will happen this uh, coming July and August. All of those games will be on the platform. So, uh, oh, and I would be remiss to forget, if you are a season ticket holder, all of this is free for you with your season ticket package. The caveat to that, which I found kind of interesting, is that it is per season ticket holder account. So let's say you buy four season tickets under one account. You only get one Apple TV Plus subscription. You do not get 
for each season ticket that you purchase. Um, so yeah, so a lot. Uh, I mean, it's it a lot of good, a lot of. Wait and see. Um, I think there's a lot of nerves surrounding making everything behind a paywall. That that would be where where I would start with my concern. Everything behind a paywall doesn't really uh, smell very well of bringing in new fans and and even casual fans to your product. You you sort of need to be invested in this, and um, so I worry about that. They still do say that there are going to be some games that are available for free. We'll we'll see. We'll see how that works. Um, but you know, th- this is this is good in terms of if you are a diehard fan, and if you're listening to this podcast, however many minutes into it we are now, I'm going to safely assume you probably are. This is good for you because you're probably going to have bought this anyway, and now every game everywhere is always available. But if you're not as diehard. I wonder if this is going to encourage these younger soccer fans, new families. You're now asking for another subscription base, uh, another streaming service for soccer that's more expensive than Peacock for the EPL, more expensive than Paramount Plus for the Champions League. And now you're asking for another one. Uh, I guess I just, I worry how successful that, 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 and how big of an ask that's going to be. I, I also think it's a it's a step backwards, Ian. Like you, you had all of the MLS games on ESPN Plus for a cheaper price per month, and even if I think it would be like the same price, there's a there's a there's a bundle with ESPN, Hulu, and Disney Plus for like thirteen dollars a month or something like that. And for that price, all of those things included. Not even just talking about ESPN Plus, you're given access to so much more content. And when you just look, uh, I'm, just, I'm not even going to make that a point. When you just look at ESPN Plus and you look at the seven or eight bucks that it is by itself as a single entity, there's more content than just MLS on ESPN Plus. You get UFC fights, you get all of these exclusives, the 30 for 30s on demand, um, all of these things that you can watch live television on. You get, uh, you don't even just get soccer and UFC. There are so many different sports that come on ESPN Plus that they don't put on television. So I think when you take away that from purchasers, from consumers, from customers, you take away the fact that when they're buying something specifically, they're only given access to this one content, this one type of content in terms of soccer and in terms of MLS, they're only given that choice with this $80. It just doesn't look like a progressive step. It, it looks like a step backwards. And I think for the price that it is, I mean, if it was cheaper, sure, that would be different. I do like the fact that season ticket holders get access to it for free, but at the same time, I think it should be on a per-ticket basis, not per-account basis. I don't know how they would go about that, but I do believe it should be on a per-ticket basis because if I have four tickets on my account, at the very least, I'm spending... Um, at the very least, I'm spending two thousand dollars on on a, with four tickets on one account. I believe I should have four accounts to be able to run Apple TV on and get this package. Um, but I, I do like the original sentiment. I don't like the way it turned out, um, and I, I think that it's going to raise a lot of questions. And you know, the, the success in the first year is going to determine going to determine a lot how this moves forward. And I think that. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure if, if if this is the best thing for for fans. I think, sure, it could be great for for uh, diehard fans, but diehard fans always had access through a paywall to every single MLS game, especially through 
ESPN Plus, and I think that this is just a step back because you're losing content on a paid platform, and yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I, I agree with you there. I, I, I think that it still has, you, you mentioned the added content, and I know that they're planning on having uh, the opportunity for some additional content. There is going to be like a, uh, a Red Zone style show, which I think is a really good idea. Um, and, and something that Paramount Plus does with the Golasso show for, for Champions League. Um, for them to have that, especially with how crazy MLS can get in terms of like wild scores, even from like your 4-3 games that are typical to even your like 7 nothings that Philadelphia was doing so often this year. I think that a show like that could be cool. They're going to have some features and all of that. My fear, too, though, that, that sort of goes, I guess, a little unnoticed in it is that how much the other networks stop covering MLS. We saw this with ESPN and NHL, that, that NHL almost disappeared when it went off uh, of ESPN. It was solely on NBC, right? And, and you never saw hockey highlights. You never heard from... You know, Linda Cohn and Barry Melrose and John Butchergrass, they had to go into their own outlet to talk about it all the time. You got MLS talk. You got top 10 highlights on ESPN. You got all of that. And I don't know how much in this modern day and age of how much people are still watching Sports Center traditionally like that. Or, or you know, we have different ways of consuming stuff now. Twitter is big for sports fans. Um, but... But now that you've taken it away from there, we saw, when to keep the NHL analogy, when ESPN got the rights to the NHL back, all of a sudden it shot up the front page of, of the, the side of ESPN.com. When it was under top scores and the crawl at the top of the screen, you got that. When you went to the app on your phone, it was readily available with the top four leagues. Five, I mean, I say top five, but... Really, they could make it top four. They could gatekeep this and keep MLS out. Now, am I worried about that with fans who are already soccer fans or already MLS fans? Absolutely not. If you're an Inter-Miami fan, then then you're going to figure this out however you need to, just like we had to when we had the conversation about games getting blacked out in Palm Beach, right? Like, it, it, it's, it's really not that big of a difference in, in terms of that because – if you care about this enough, if you want to seek it out, then you're going to. My fear is always with, you know, little Jimmy who or, or little Stacy who's getting involved in rec soccer. He or she is six years old and mom and dad get to take them to one game a year. But they love, you know, and they went to one game and their favorite player was Gregory. And now they want to watch it on TV. Well, how many of those are, are going to pay a hundred dollars a season for 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 that? In addition to everything that everybody else already has, and you know, you brought up the price point thing. I think that that's a good argument, one that hasn't been made loud enough. Um, but but just the I, I don't want to say like the accessibility because it's very accessible, and and I think that it's it's a great thing for the league to have every single game available. That is something that you can point to and say, this is unique to our league, especially in soccer, where if you go over to England and you want to watch an EPL game, good luck. It's very difficult. Um, they, they have local blackouts all the time. Really, if you're not a fan of any of the other teams outside of the big six, it's 
almost impossible to watch your local team live, at, at least. You normally have to wait until the very end of the day and catch highlights that way. So the, the, the accessibility is not the problem here. The, the, the accessibility is absolutely fine. It's, it's the intention of, are people really going to do this? The third aspect of this, and sorry for the, the long diatribe here, but the third act, aspect to it is, you really can say goodbye to watching games in a bar, in a pub, in a restaurant. None of that's going to really happen anymore because you're, you're asking how many Duffy's chains, how many Flanagan's chains across the, the, the state are, are going to pay each for, for an account. I, I don't see that happening. And, and, you know, you can easily say, if you can easily go into a Flanagan's or a Duffy's around here and say, hey, can you throw on the, you know, a game, even if it's in streaming, even if it is a Champions League game or an ESPN Plus game. You're not going to be able to do that with this Apple Plus deal, or at least I don't see it happening right off the bat. Um, it, it, it's going to take a while, and that's only going to breed the annoying stereotype that I think we all have of who watches MLS, and I'm not, uh, like, when you have to ask for that game, and then they're like, well, where is it? And you're saying it's on Apple TV, and you're going to get looked at like you have eight heads. That, that That's not, you know good for the growth of the game, for the normalization of this as a premier league that, that is growing and growing and spending more and more money on the product. I just, I, I, I hesitate to see if it will help uh, uh, get more fans watching instead of just, you know, again, gatekeeping how diehard of a fan you really are. Um, all right, yeah, Austin. Well- yeah, go ahead. Uh, last thing, Ian. The, I don't think they're – correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they're taking away the local coverage, um, like the where where Miami was, was playing on My33. I, I think that that's still no, there's available. No, there's no and local, it's not at no, all. No local – I mean, the local broadcasts are, are whatever Apple decides, but your local – like that, what you had last year with Dre and Ray, like, no, that's not – it's not going to be on my 33. Wow. It's only on Apple TV. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Then that, that, that also raises an issue. Then, right. Right. And, but, and like, and like I said, they're going to make a lot of these games free. I think a very easy out for them is to say that all local games that are, are not behind the paywall, right? Like if you want to pay for the service, but, then, but the, but they would never do that. They would never right. do that because right. I think that that's where they're expecting most of their money is the, from the local markets for the local teams. Right. Uh, man, uh, that's just because yeah, I, 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 I'll be honest. There's there's times where I'm not I'm not going to sit there and watch a Vancouver Seattle. I'm not paying to watch a Vancouver Seattle game that's at 10:30. If that game's free, okay, maybe I'll watch a Vancouver Seattle game. So I you know what I mean? I'm not going to. I think that's the hope. I think right. the hope yeah. is. You care that you're going to chalk up the $100 for an Inter-Miami season, right, of right, watching. Right, and right. now that you're there, okay, well, it's free. I'll go watch Vancouver, Seattle. That's, I think, yeah, what they're yeah, exactly. Are, instead of the other way around. <sighs> it will, it will be, be interesting. very interesting to say the least. I, I'm not sure. We, we seem to have lost Alex. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get her back. She's She is braving uh, a, a, a cold and... and Hotel Wi-Fi to be with us this week. So we'll hope to to have her with us uh, coming up in just a bit. But Austin, as we continue this, I do want to wrap this show up because we're going to do a specific World Cup uh, show um, as we get ready for Copa Mundial in Qatar and everything that goes along with it. Um, 
we, we do want to touch on the Inter-Miami players that are heading overseas and want to tell everybody that we do have a bracket challenge going on for the World Cup. There is a Heron Outlet uh, league that you can join on the MLSsoccer.com's bracket challenge. We'll post a link to it on our Twitter page, on our Instagram page, so that you can join. Please join, have fun, celebrate the World Cup with us here at the Heron Outlet. You can compete against Austin, Alex, myself, Andres. We'll all have brackets, and you can give us some some uh, trash talking too, some good banter as we enjoy the World Cup. So it is on MLSsoccer.com's bracket challenge site, and it is a league, the Heron Outlet League. Um, and then they have, you know, you have the the URL that we'll post on our social media channel, uh, uh, channel. So be on the lookout for that. Okay, the two big ones: DeAndre Yedlin is in Qatar. Leal Campana is not. And uh, let, let's start with the one who's there. Let's start with DeAndre and his role on this team, which I think goes beyond just uh, whether or not he sees the field as, as often as or not as often as we expect. Um, DeAndre has shown, especially at Miami in this past year, what an amazing leader he is and how he can really transform a locker room into a, a vibrant, fun, and welcoming place. And I think that he is going to serve a very important role on this team, which, mind you, I, I think DeAndre turned 30 recently or turns 30 coming up. Uh, and, and mind you that he then becomes one of the older players on this World Cup roster. So And one of the few, because this is uh, uh, because we uh, uh, were not in on Russia 2022, one of the few with World Cup experience dating back or dating back to uh, 2014 in Russia 2018. Excuse me. So uh, so yeah. So DeAndre comes in as as almost like an elder statesman and a very interesting role for him. One that I think that he'll revel in and, and really enjoy. Yeah, I I actually. <laughs> I actually think you might get more playing time than people imagine. Um, I was listening to um, Landon Donovan speak, I think it was, and they were asking him about his starting 11, and he made a very valid point uh, because against, you know, the, the first game's against Wales, and I think that recently with Sergio Des' performances with AC Milan and even with the U.S. men's national team, defensively has not always been great. I think on the ball, Sergino Dest is an outstanding player, one of the most technically gifted players that the U.S. has had in a very long time. However, defensively, it's not always not always perfect. Not always somebody who you think can defend Daniel James, for instance, extremely well. And that begs the question... How much is DeAndre Yedlin going to play? And I honestly think that because of his defensive ability and speed, to, to counteract speed of other opposing teams, whether it's England, whether it's Wales, who have players who can beat you on the dribble, DeAndre Yedlin might serve a purpose. Now, I don't, I'm not saying DeAndre Yedlin is going to start, and I honestly don't think that that's a smart choice. However, if the game plan is not going to the way Burhalter wants and they see that side being exploited... I think DeAndre Edlin could, could get some minutes more than more than people are expecting. And that's just to, to look at him and say, yeah, he's very serviceable, very valuable to this team. Somebody who can come in and do a job. And he's always been that kind of guy for the U.S. Men's National Team. He's always been, and he, he was that guy for Inter-Miami. He came in, did a job, was there consistent throughout the entire course of the season. Uh, I don't think that's going away at all. Just because he has, you know, European-based talent 
ahead of him. I, I think that DeAndre Edlin is still going to be what Greg Berhalter said and called him that glue guy, whether it's in the locker room or on the field. Um, and I think he's actually going to have some sort of a real impact in this World Cup for the U.S. Men's National Team on and off the field. I think also, too, we saw, what was it? I think it was in Saudi Arabia where he started on the left wing. I mean, that, that came there, out of nowhere. There's... But... I mean, it was interesting, to say the least. It, it, it's clear that Greg yeah. wants to get him on the field. Um, like you said, I, I, don't, I don't really know how, how that made much sense. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that, that you, make up a, you make a really good point with a guy like Daniel James. I think maybe against England, I want the speed out there a little. Like, I mean, that's crazy to say because DeAndre is so fast. But, uh, but, but I do want to, to take the game a little more to, to England, which would, which would tell you Dest would be the guy there. But right, yeah, right. Iran, Iran would be a great, great shout because you know you, you're just going to want to contain there, and, and DeAndre can get forward for sure still too. So I, I guess you you feel a little more comfortable or calm um, with DeAndre back there being able to be a two way player instead of just focusing on a a flying wing back and and what he can do. Alex, you you have uh you know you talked all season about what DeAndre's leadership um, meant to this Inter-Miami team and what what he was able to do creating such a good locker room environment as he enters this World Cup. Uh, how much can his his real leadership status and, and, and ability to bring people together help this team in Qatar, even like we were saying just a second ago, if he's not on the field as much? Yeah, um, Yedlin is the quintessential glue guy. You know, he was there at the last World Cup the U.S. qualified in, uh, uh, excuse me, went to in, in, in Brazil in 2014. And his experience, similar to how he's moving in the Inter-Miami locker room, will be huge for uh, the U.S. I know uh, the U.S. are one of the younger squads at the tournament. So it, it's, it's yeah, it's just going to be a definite help. Also, on the field, if Yedlin does get on, there are certain teams, specifically Wales, with Dan James on that left-hand side where Yedlin is a right back, you know, that recovery speed can help. We know we're all high on Sergio Dest, but there are times where he can leave space in behind and maybe isn't the best positionally. And, and Yedlin, yes, he does have his shortcomings, but he has the recovery speed to get back and, and get into position and help out uh, Walker Zimmerman or Tim Ream or Aaron Long or whomever uh, will start back there. So yeah, it'll be huge for the locker room and, um, um, you know, he's that glue guy. And he, he mentioned in, uh, I believe, was it the, it was the post uh, roster reveal uh, media, media um, you know, press credentialed, uh, basically interview, or I think someone asked about, um, you know, just being there and, and helping out the squad. Yedlin basically said he's that, that ear that the guys can uh, talk to or, or shoulder or, or just asking for advice. And, and he's just going to be in the thick of it, really. So, yeah, he is definitely huge. Hopefully he'll get some minutes, not too much, God forbid, an injury, but no. Uh, um, yeah, we want to see Yedlin play, and he's he's definitely a, a great guy uh, to have in the locker room. You were like 10 seconds too late on the Daniel James point. <laughs> Austin stole your thunder. 10 seconds too late. <laughs> Uh, but let, let's let's talk about Leo Campana. We all were rooting for him, thought that, that injuries be darned, that he would be able to uh, to make the the World Cup roster for Ecuador, it looked like a like there was an eleventh hour push at, at the very end to see if he could sneak in on the plane. Just you know, packed an extra you know suitcase just in case. 
Um, but it, it was not meant to be. Um, Austin, you, you are the, the resident uh, uh, expert here, so the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, look, I, I'm a little disappointed. Um, it's, uh, and even not, not even as an Inter-Miami kind of guy, it's more of a, as like a, look, Ecuador have been an aging team for a little bit, and now during qualifying, they were one of the youngest teams, and going into this World Cup again, still one of the youngest teams, and I think that when you look at the players that they brought in, whether it's Estupinian, Caicedo, um, Gonzalo Plata, there are so many young talents across the globe right now that Ecuador have that are going to be put on a on a world stage. And, you know, qualifying is was one thing for Ecuador. And they did that, like I said, with a really young roster that Campana was a part of. And it kind of brings me to the same Ricardo Pepe discussion with the U.S. men's national team when I'm looking at Leonardo Campana. I'm looking at Michael Estrada and I'm saying this isn't necessarily a guy who I think is that much better than Campana. Even in MLS, when Estrada was with DC United on loan, was not that good. And granted, he wasn't on that great of a team either. And I I watched a lot of the, the Iraq game that Ecuador had leading up to the World Cup as well. And nothing was, nothing, there was nothing there from the front. And I am 100% on board with bringing in Enner Valencia. I think that that is obviously the smart choice. I know that he's aging, but you kind of just have to. He is that guy. The same thing with the goalkeepers, Alexander Dominguez. Like, they are there to play in the World Cup. However, with Campana, we know the style of play he brings. And I don't think Ecuador is necessarily going to take it to Senegal, or they're going to take it to the Netherlands when looking at their group. Maybe they'll take it to Qatar, but we'll see. But I look at Campana as a striker, and what we've seen him do, I think a lot of the time, especially even in South American play, with those those smaller South American sides, I, I've seen it from uh, Bolivia, Venezuela, where they just kick the ball up and try and hold up the play. And I think that you're going to have to do that against two of the three teams in your group. And I think Campana is the perfect, perfect person for that. Like 100% the perfect por- person to do that. He's a big-bodied player. He's got great technical ability with his touch. He can hold up the ball. He can play a pass. He can make a run into the box. And I think that Ecuador could have used that in this World Cup. And I really hope that he isn't missed because I want to see Ecuador move on uh, just as an Ecuadorian. But I think that it will possibly hurt them that they don't have that kind of a striker there. Ender Valencia is not that kind of guy. Michael Estrada is not that kind of guy. Yes, you've got pace up the wings with Ibarra and Plata, but I think that you needed a hold-up striker in this tournament, especially in the group stage, to try and move on against two quality teams with great, great, great defenses in Senegal and Netherlands, and they just they didn't bring them, and I, I'm a little upset by it, clearly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all your points, especially... Um, uh, the one about basically playing direct balls, uh, over the top, and yeah, that's how some teams play. And Campana would have been perfect for that, but um, you know, it is what it is, and you know, um, hopefully, you know, that ge- this gives him enough time to get fit for uh next season for Inter Miami, and maybe have a chip on his shoulder and and go off and put maybe if it's in him, win Golden Boot or something. I don't know, but yeah, it sucks for Leo, but you know, he's still 22, and he'll he'll have you know the Copa America and the next World Cup to to potentially uh seal his fate. So hopefully that and uh by that time he'll he'll be in uh the manager's uh consideration. And I think I think too Ecuador is a team that I think a lot of 
MLS fans will have their eye on. Um, you look at Mendez from LAFC. You look at uh, Cifuentes. Um, there, I think there's like four three different LAFC MLS players. Three LAFC, yeah, three LAFC guys. Yeah, Palacios, exactly. Palacios, Ariaga from Seattle is another one. Uh, I think that this is a team that a lot of MLS fans will have their eye on. These these really good players in MLS in the primes of their career. Um, Campana should have been one of those guys. One, one thing that I will say too, though, is is what was very impressive or nice or touching, I thought, was how much uh, Phil and Chris Henderson in the club was pushing for him to get that. They, they, they made it a goal of theirs. And, you know, falling short, that, that's okay. I mean, it, he's still very young, like you said, only 22. Um, and hopefully we'll get those opportunities coming up in the future. Uh, but especially in an expanded World Cup, you know, from here on out. So uh, I, I, I think that, that the support that he got was really nice. And now under a new deal with Inter-Miami, um, just a, a shame that we won't get to see him in Qatar. Uh, the, the first game, Ecuador versus Qatar, 11 a.m. on Sunday. And again, join our bracket challenge on MLSsoccer.com. You can fill out how you think each group is going to go, how the knockout stage is going to go, and pick your winner. As we talked about the Apple TV deal, the, a lot of the winning prizes are a, a free year subscription of the Apple TV deal. So if you do really well in our bracket challenge, there you go. Um, and join. It's the Heron Outlet on MLSsoccer.com. We will post the links to Twitter, to Instagram, and sign up and play with us. Guys, we made it through a lot. We're going to have a separate episode of Just World Cup Talk coming up here on the Heron Outlet. But for our producer, Andres, she is Alex Winley. He is Austin Rollard. I am Ian Hess. Make sure you like, share, subscribe on Instagram, on YouTube, on Twitter, wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, whatever. And we will see you back here next time.